Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. Oh, I love it when a story comes together. Nobody does long-term booking the way that AEW was or does, excuse me. If you need more examples than Hangman Adam Page and now the new AEW Women's Champion Thunder Rosa, I don't know what to I don't know what else I can give you. This has been a long time coming. A full year build for Thunder Rosa to capture the women's championship in AEW. And my boy, SP3, is a lady. He's got those are real tears, folks. This is not an act. I've seen him. He's not that good of an act. How you feeling, man? How you feeling? Let it out. All right. I'm I'm just so happy, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) This is just the beginning of what I am calling Thunder Rosa Championship Celebration Day. I'm doing it here on Believe. I'm doing it on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. I got something special going on later on the day on on Thunder Rosa Celebration Thursday. Uh, Oh my God, it's it's a great day. It's a beautiful day. Um. You sound a heck of a lot like I did uh, after WrestleMania 35, right? Like even with the botched ending, like even though it ended at one o'clock in the morning and I was exhausted and even though I had to be up for work at 4 a.m., I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep. I was just too damn excited. You know, when, when you, when you honestly, as fans, as professional wrestling fans, and I think we get out of that bubble a little bit when we start diving into to the beat but I don't think there's anything wrong with being a wrestling journalist or a wrestling analyst and still being a fan. We all got into this because we were fans for so damn long. And we thought it would be cool if we could make a living off of talking about professional wrestling. That's why we're in the game and we still have our favorites, right? So when you invest in, in somebody, when they are your, your guy or your girl or your favorite, man. It's like when your sports team wins a world championship and it is a very, very special feeling. I still remember that feeling that I had when Becky Lynch won her first championship in, in WWE. I remember what it was like when she won the first ever women's main event of WrestleMania. Those are moments that I will never forget in my life. I remember when John Moxley won the WWE championship for the first time. That was since to me, that is Cincinnati's only sports championship outside of him winning the AEW world championship since 1990. I know what it's like. It's a great feeling. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm happy for it. I am. Um, I, I, it's a little bit different in my, in to me because uh, Thunder Rosa is not only someone that I admire for what she does in the ring. I also admire what she's done since like the whole speaking out movement, creating an all women's promotion in mission pro wrestling and helping out other women being an entrepreneur, becoming the first ever Mexican born 
female to win a major championship in a major U.S. promotion, making history on this night. And this is someone that kind of, you know, I met her at, around WrestleMania weekend in 2019, and I was kind of scared to approach her and ask her for an interview. And she gave me a really quick interview that was fun. Then I was able to uh, sponsor True Hill. He was able to sponsor Mission Pro Wrestling. And, you know, at a time when the sponsors were getting the interviews with a lot of different talent, they she made the exception for me and allowed me to interview her. And she's actually been in the live chat for my YouTube channel. So this is somebody that I've supported and that has supported me back. So like my heart is just full because it feels like someone that I re has really, you know, taken what I've done and actually, you know, appreciate it and show love the same way that I show love to her. I like, it's, it's really, I can't put into words how I feel. I'm so happy for her. She deserves it. She's worked so hard for this moment. So I'm just ecstatic for someone that I admire on so many different levels. Well, I hope you find the words because we're going to we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper coming up here in the five count. First things first, uh, got to give a shout out to bet online to whom without this program would not be possible. SP three would not be here trying to battle through this entire damn show on a hoarse voice because he ran outside of his house and was screaming up and down on the streets. He got people calling the cops on SP three tonight, and that is thanks to bet online. That time of the year, college basketball taking center stage. As a matter of fact, I believe the tournament gets underway uh, today. Big tip off for the tournament. I stopped paying attention personally because UC has been out of it since December. But tournament time is finally upon us. If you are looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your updated odds and info, along with uh, great contests, including bracket contests, where you can win the huge, uh, uh, huge grand prize. They have a ton, a ton of prop bets up there. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. There was a lot of other things that happened on AEW Dynamite uh, last night. Uh, Chris Jericho uh, using a term that uh, is not ordinarily used on AEW television and doing so to get heat. We will talk about that. We had Wheeler Yuta approach William Regal after he got his ass beat by Brian Danielson and John Moxley last night. And I believe he is taking the approach of, well, if you can't beat him, join him because uh, he don't like where his career is going right now. So we'll talk about that as well. And again, branching off of that, you got John Moxley and Brian Danielson. You've got the Hardys now. They got a win last night. Red Dragon is there. The, the Young Bucks are still hanging around. This is a red hot AEW tag team division. Man, I'm going to ask a very difficult question coming up in the five count, but let us start right here. Right now, let's we talked a little bit about what this means for USP three, but let's talk about the match itself tonight, which was absolutely brutal uh, in certain spots. Uh, the 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 spot where Britt Baker went off of the rope and she was supposed to crash through the chairs and then the chairs just did not break like she did too good of a job setting up this structure. And she just crashed and her spine bent. And then she just flopped like a dead fish onto the mat. 
Oh, that looks so painful. And that wasn't even like the most painful spot of the entire match. Of course, they had to bring the thumbtacks into it. And God love Aubrey Edwards, right? The moment came where she had to count the three and she was right in the middle of all of it. And she's just said, F it, I'm going for it. And she slammed her hand three times right into a pool of thumbtacks. But she knew that three count had to hit for Thunder Rosa in that moment. This was... I'm not going to say it was the, the most prettiest match I've ever seen in my life, but man, it was, there was storytelling. It was emotional. You could, you could tell, you could feel the heat, the hatred between both of these women. It was fantastic theater last night. It was the best thing I could say. It was gripping. It felt like a fight. It wasn't always pretty. It was scrappy at times. It was a little sloppy at times, yeah. but it was definitely brutal lived up to what they did last year in the lights out match lived up to the other steel cage matches that we've seen in aew and they created a high bar for their steel cage matches with you know cody with his moonsault off the top of the cage in the first ever cage match against warlow or the match of the year last year with the young bucks and the lucha bros or even you know the first ever blood and guts between the pinnacle and inner circle they leave those steel cage matches or stay in your memory if you watch aew you remember all of those matches and you will remember thunder rosa versus Britt Baker, the the spot through. I don't even call it a structure. That was a contraption that Britt Baker was building. Because I, I was wondering like, what the hell she was doing. I'm like, you got nine chairs there already. Just I, get it done. I, I, when she when she set up the chairs, folded out, and then put the chairs on top, I was like, okay, perfect. She has a flat surface to like land. Whoever's gonna take this bump is gonna land flat on the chairs, and it's not as brutal as if she just had the open the open chairs. And then she started putting more open chairs on top of it. I was like, what type of contraption is she trying to build? And is she trying to break someone's spine? And she was her own spine. But I just everything about the presentation of this steel cage match from the from the entrances with thunder rosa with the mariachi band coming out and just a, a huge pop the biggest in on a night that had the hardys had the you know hangman adam page jurassic express and adam cole and red dragon have a banger of an opener the loudest pop of the night was thunder rosa during her entrance and thunder rosa winning the title so that tells you how much the people were invested in this match in this feud in these two women yeah i love the attires with thunder rosa with the 316 on the back and then her busting out the stone cold stunner during the matchup you had Britt baker with the scott hall inspired uh nwo theme theme gear it was just so great every little touch that they added to this the callback to the lights out match with the thumbtacks um thunder rosa breaking out of the lockjaw by biting her biting one of brit's hands first and then slamming the other in the oh. thumbtacks it was like even the like the little nitpick that I can make is like the thumbtack spots. I wish they would have sold it a little bit longer, but on the other hand, I understand that they were running out of time. They, like, those thumb yeah, and, that, and that's really play. my, and that's really my only nitpick is like, you could tell Aubrey Edwards was telling Thunder Rosa at the end, like, yeah. Hey, we got to go home. Yeah. And that kind of, that kind of, they rushed the finish. And that was yeah. it. Like, I could tell they were trying to build to something. And then they were got they got the TV time remaining, and that kind of kid, yeah. and that is the that is the drawback of doing this this match and having this moment 
on television as opposed to having it at Revolution. So, you, no, but you have to understand, like, you know, the last time when they did the Lights Out match last year, it was taped. It was a tape matchup. They were able to kind of fix it in a way that would fit the time, allowed it. So it was different from a live crowd being out there. It was much, much different. And like I said yesterday on yesterday's show, I feel AEW made the right decision by saving this, not doing this at Revolution and saving it for this night because the spotlight was firmly on these two women. They showed out, they impressed, and they were the biggest stars on this night. And Thunder Rosa's victory will be remembered by fans like me and fans, especially in San Antonio, because they absolutely loved her on this night. And she felt like the biggest baby face in the world. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing, right? Because I I'm as soon as the show ended, I came in here, I started getting the rundown together, I typed out the lead story, typed out the first question for the five count, and then I immediately went, "Shit, what else happened on this show?" Because you know, like, and that was like just immediate. That was immediate. Now, again, I have been on record to say that my memory is awful, so that's not saying that the show was bad by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I again, AEW Dynamite for for my money has been the best show in professional wrestling for months, months. They don't miss two years. It's been it's been two years. It took the mantle from NXT. NXT was the best weekly wrestling show, and then when it went against AEW, AEW took that mantle within like six months of being on TV, and they haven't relinquished it since. It's for the last two years. It's been the best weekly wrestling show in the entire business there was a stretch there there was a stretch there before the draft and the the roster got dismantled where smackdown was spectacular in my opinion it wasn't it was just roman reigns i I literally (laughs) people 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 kept telling me that and i kept saying it's it's roman it's not anything else like literally you could say okay there was a period when bailey and sasha were were feuding where that was another highlight of the show but go back and remember that only lasted about two months like it really did, yeah. it only lasted about two months so it was and they jobbed really, out oscar in the process and doing it, that it was really roman who held it all together and made it the best wwe weekly show but it didn't compare to AEW even then Agree to disagree. Again, I'll, I I would have to go back and and analyze some things, but that that's not the that's not here or there. But uh, especially recently, uh, AEW Dynamite has just been on fire. There really hasn't been any, except maybe outside of you know Lambert and and Brandy Rhodes. There hasn't been a whole lot of missteps uh, on AEW Dynamite uh, in the last uh, few weeks. This was another really good show, a show that didn't have CM Punk on it. Uh, so I mean, you're talking about one of your biggest stars is not on it, and he wasn't missed. He wasn't missed last night. Wasn't needed. Some well-deserved time off for CM Punk, by the way, after that uh, that dog collar match. Uh, but I do want to take a moment here because a lot of this show is going to center around Thunder Rosa. And, you know, obviously it should because it was her moment last night. But I, I think we got to pay some respect to the good doctor because when she took over as the AEW Women's Champion, and that's no knock on Sheeta, like the women's division was nowhere near what it was when her reign ended, Dr. Britt Baker really elevated the entire division. She was basically Roman Reigns, right? She elevated the entire women's division and was able to elevate herself in the process to becoming, at one point, the top star in the entire company. She was spectacular as 
the AEW Women's Champion. And now it is Thunder Rosa's time. All respect in the world to Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Fantastic AEW Women's Champion. The best one since the company started by a long stretch. I, I would have liked to have seen her win some more matches clean and not rely so much on Rebel, but whatever. Heel persona, be damned. That's what it is. But this was the right call to make. And now I think Thunder Rosa is the right person to take this division to the next level. Because having a cool overheel as champion is one thing. Having a really cool, relatable, awesome baby face who is massively over as champion is another thing. The only question I have is who is going to be that counterpart for Thunder Rosa now to help drive this, this division forward into the future. I have a feeling it's going to be Dr. Britt Baker. Maybe they get one more match. Maybe Baker goes away for a while. Cause I'm looking at the women's division. And I'm going, okay, who's up? Who's next? Is it the winner of, of, of Sheeta and Serena Deeb? Maybe Serena Deeb is the next challenger up. That could be a, a possibility there once that feud is over with. But, I mean, I, I, I don't – possibly Chris Statlander. That's somebody we're going to talk about coming up. Paige Van Zant, new to the division, so possibly there. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Outside of Dr. Baker, I'm not sure who steps up to be the Joker to her Batman. Well, I think Nyla Rose owns a victory over Thunder Rosa uh, previously in one-on-one competition. Uh, you also got Ruby Soho, who hasn't yeah. been really utilized lately, and this would be cool for her to kind of turn heel on yeah, Thunder Rosa and bring up the fact that she beat her at All Out. They were the final two women in the uh, Casino Battle Royale. And then the, the big name is Jay Cargill because that's the big money matchup now. It's Jay Cargill, the undefeated TBS champion, versus Thunder Rosa, who she's 2-0 and against. So I, you either build that up and you do Thunder Rosa being the one to beat Jay Cargill and finally get the victory over her in the third opportunity, or Jay Cargill becomes Bill Goldberg and walks out with the TBS title and the AEW Women's World title. And we don't know who's going to be next for uh, Jade Cargill either. She keeps asking who is going to be be stepping up to challenge her on that bitch show. There, there is there is another woman who's out there who's a free agent who actually has been feuding with Thunder Rosa in Warrior Wrestling. Warrior oh. Wrestling is where Thunder Rosa is the Warrior Wrestling Women's World Champion. I know and and. AEW watches Warrior Wrestling because that was one of the reasons they brought in Mercedes Martinez to feud with Thunder Rosa. So if they're still watching Warrior Wrestling, Athena and yep. Thunder Rosa had themselves a classic in Warrior Wrestling in February. They went to a 30-minute time limit draw. At the last Warrior Wrestling event, they were in a three-way with Sky Blue where Thunder Rosa beat Sky Blue. So we still have their feud kind of lingering in Warrior Wrestling. If AEW wants to put it on the main stage, this would be the perfect opportunity now that Thunder Rosa is champion. Immediately bring in Athena and have her feud with her, and that would get people talking about this title reign right from the beginning. Uh, for those uh, WWE marks out there, that would be Ember Moon, uh, if you don't know who we're talking about when we say Athena Palmer. But yes, uh, I'm I'm 100% with you, uh, and you kind of took my next step because there are actually three uh, free agents out there right now that 
I if you're AEW, I don't know how you haven't pounced on them right now. Athena is one of them. Taya Valkyrie is another, and Tony Storm is the third. Uh, I that is if Tony Storm wants to wrestle, she did leave WWE for burnt out reasons, but. I mean, she's she's still young. She's still a star. She you could throw in a you could throw in a fourth in there with Mia Yim. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Keith Lee's already there, so I mean, why not go ahead and just bring in Mia Yim? There is a bevy of top level talent and star power out there that you could immediately infuse into your women's division. They are real quick to snatch up the men, but for whatever reason, they they're not quick to add new life and new blood into the women's division. They brought in a couple of people, a QA, one of them recently. So they've signed a few people, Mercedes Martinez. Um, but I mean, outside of Ruby Soho, I mean, I, who was like the last big star that they really kind of brought into the women. I mean, they did just sign Paige Van Zant, So, I mean, that's, that's another person there. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what she does there, but uh, they have talent on this roster. It's just going to be interesting to see where they go because a lot of the talent on the roster already has spent a lot of time losing to Dr. Baker or losing to Jade Cargill. Not a lot of people on the roster right now who have some equity. Nyla Rose being one of them who does have a victory over Thunder Rosa, so that might be the way uh, that they go there. Uh, we'll pick back up the Thunder Rosa conversation here in a little bit. We did have two title matches last night, and this is something that I think everybody and their brother called uh, that was going to happen. Um, I, I hate the fact that you know, the face of the revolution ladder match was kind of wasted like this, but I, I get it for storyline purposes. Wardlow uh, was beaten for only the fifth time in a singles match in his AEW career. He was pinned by Scorpio sky after he got punched by Maxwell, Jacob Friedman and the dynamite diamond ring. Again, we all saw this coming, but now that you have seen how it shook out, you had everybody surrounding the ring. Maxwell paying off Dan Lambert and company. Everybody except Ethan Page, by the way. Did you see Ethan Page's tweet last night? Somebody asked Ethan Page where he was, and he said, um, oh, I heard we were doing business with MJF, so I didn't show up. <laughs> Very nice. Very Which was nice. really, really, really well done. Um, but yeah, this was all massive setup by Max. Uh, Warlow ends up eating a, a, a chair from the chairman, Sean Spears. I um I do not envy those members of the pinnacle because now Wardlow, that's the story for the next several weeks, maybe even months. That man is going to be on a war path and he is going to have blood on his hands by the time it's all said and done. But after seeing everything shake out, predictable isn't always bad. What did you think about how things worked out last night? This is exactly what needed to happen. I said Scorpio Sky needs to be the TNT champion walking into Los Angeles on June 1st in the forum on AEW Dynamite. We got a couple of months uh, before that, so he needed to get by this first win right here, and you couldn't kind of go back on what you did last week by having him lose here and they protected Warlow great they had Sean Spears come out for the distraction then you had MJF interfere run him into the ring post allowing Scorpio Sky to get the victory and this was all a major plot by Maxwell Jacob Freeman to get some revenge on Warlow and now they have kind of set up the story that Warlow will probably have to go through Sean Spears before he eventually gets to MJF so they kind of couple of months that they can build that up so i'm happy about that and i don't think it devalues the face of the revolution ladder match at all because scorpio sky 
was the first winner of the Face of the Revolution ladder match, and he lost his title shot the following week after Revolution. And then we seen he went undefeated after that loss, and then eventually won won the TNT Championship. So I think Warlow is on a similar path to what Sky went in the next year, but he has a hotter story going on than anything he probably would have done with the TNT Championship. So this was a wise decision on AEW's part. Right. And you can't get everything right. Cause it's like, you want to protect Wardlow, but you also want to put over Scorpio sky in a way. So you can't have the match end in a disqualification. So you wanted, this is something we talked about yesterday. Scorpio sky. If this was going to go down, he had to get the pinfall. He couldn't have his first title defense be a disqualification caused by Maxwell Jacob Freeman. There needed to be some kind of a resolution here. There needed to be a, a finish of some kind to where Wardlow could go. All right, screw the TNT title for a while. I got to focus on these clowns. And that's exactly what happened. Cause I saw like the same people who had been preaching for Scorpio sky to get this opportunity to win the championship. I saw that they would, I saw some of those people complaining on social media that Scorpio sky pinned Wardlow. I'm like, you can't have everything. Stop it. Stop I mean- it. I think I think uh shout out to Phil Lindsay and Will Washington of Grab City. They were having a kind of conversation where there is a major disconnect when it comes to AEW as far as Twitter takes and what the fans in attendance yeah react to because a lot of people you know wanted to say oh hangman page is not as over as he once was and we heard the pop he got uh-huh. on this show you know, luchasaurus is not luchasaurus and jungle boy are not as over or not good tag team champions but you heard the reaction think, they got on this Bowen, show i think kenny Bowen started that one yeah 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 probably but but Britt baker is another one scorpio sky is another one there's a lot of twitter takes that are just out there and get traction and it becomes oh this is what the fans think when it's not really the case when you watch the show week to week and you have people like us that actually watch the show and try to nitpick and see the flaws and see what works and see what's not working and do so in a respectful manner and i think that is the that, that that is a huge uh, thing that we have to mention here just because yes. we say we didn't like something or we say something didn't work does not mean we're talking shit no that's what that's no. what analysts do that's what you know we're trying to do so in a respectful manner so i mean exactly yeah twitter's not a real place no. and, it, and it just sucks that that's like the largest like free advertising platform <laughs> right so it's like you're, you're trying to appease a sea of trolls basically I, I literally stayed away from Twitter for the longest. It was when I created True Heat, they said, oh, no, you got to get a Twitter to go along with creating a podcast and creating a YouTube channel. It kind of goes hand in hand. And then I just kept on that. I didn't even want to create a Twitter for myself because I didn't want to be a part of that toxicity. But now I have two accounts that are on. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. this, is, this is the horrible side of being a in the wrestling media world this is why i will not create a twitter account for this show i don't want two accounts i don't want two accounts i don't want to have it has taken me forever to build up my meager following as it is i don't want to have to start from i'm already starting from scratch with a youtube channel i don't want to start from scratch with a twitter handle to go into me to be fair I already have more followers uh, than than the True Hill Heat account. So it, <laughs> it, it, sometimes, sometimes just you know creating something new works, and the people will probably request when we get a few more subscribers. They're going to request that we have a believe in pro wrestling uh, 
Twitter account. But ladies and gentlemen, it will just be to promote the podcast. It won't be to have any opinions on wrestling because we get enough heat for our opinions on our (laughs) own accounts. Oh my gosh, do I get heat for my hot takes. Not even funny. I'm just one man who has opinions. That's all it is, folks. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Rick Uccino, spelled R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O. For those who are listening on the podcast, one more time, because I talk really fast, R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O. And at True Heel SP3, that is T-R-U-H-E-E-L-S-P and the number three. Let's dive into this, by the way. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Forgot to mention, like, share, subscribe to the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast YouTube channel. Inching ever so closer to monetization. Sweet, sweet monetization. Appreciate everybody who has subscribed. All of our loyal viewers and listeners and followers, thank you so much. We get up, well, we stay up every night to record this and then i get up early in the morning to upload it for you for you shout out to reagan by the way reagan is like our number one fan and is always sharing our stuff and is always saying nice things about us on twitter so thank you very much reagan really really appreciate that uh had some nice things to say about my wardlow interview which is still up there by the way check that out even though we lost last night didn't really spend a whole lot of time talking about his match I knew he was going to lose. So, you know, we just focused on a lot of other really, really good shit. So make sure to check that out. But let's dive into the five count SP3. The biggest questions that I have anyway, uh, coming off of AEW Dynamite St. Patrick's Day Slam last night. Again, I want you to take your analyst hat off. Take your Vince hat off. Take all your hats off. This is this is Sid Puller the third just sitting here. Your girl has won the AEW Women's World Championship in the main event in a great cage match, taking out Dr. Britt Baker after a year-long blood feud between these two. As a fan, where does this championship win for Thunder Rosa rank as an all-time moment for you as a fan? This is a tough question. This is very this is probably the toughest question you've asked me on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast, YouTube channel, and show. Um, but I would probably say in the top three. My top three all-time moments as a wrestling fan is watching Brian Danielson, aka Daniel Bryan, win the WWE championship at WrestleMania 30 defeating Triple H in the opener to the show and then defeating Randy Orton and Batista because Brian Danielson was someone that at 18 years old, when I started actively going to independent wrestling, I fell in love with Brian Danielson. I came to my first event, Final Battle 2006, and I was rooting for the hometown hero Homicide, but I was totally impressed by his opponent, who I felt was a mixture of like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels meets William Regal, and he was trained by two or three of those, and then followed his career through Ring of Honor and the independent scene to WWE, saw him get fired, come back, get, you know, the 18 second loss and then rise back to the top that whole journey seeing him start from the bottom and then finally make it to the stratosphere i don't think anything will top that and then 
also in my top three is Kenny Omega defeating Kazuko Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Dominion 2018 because Kenny Omega, after Brian Danielson, was the wrestler that I kind of like connected with the most. And I got to see him start off as a junior heavyweight and rise to the top of New Japan Pro Wrestling, where not a lot of junior heavyweights and not a lot of non-Japanese wrestlers get to become the IWGP heavyweight champion and got to go through that whole journey with four of the greatest matches I've ever seen with Kajuko Okada and just seeing that classic where I still call it the greatest match of all time, 65 minutes in Osaka, him defeating him, just the emotion pouring out of me at like six o'clock in the morning. I will never, I will never forget that, but I also will never forget March 16th, 2022 i've said before thunder rosa is someone that i have showed undying support to and it's someone i also start from the bottom where when i saw her as cobra moon in lucha underground i didn't think she was that good honestly and i've said this to her that i like i feel that she is the most improved wrestler i've ever seen with my eyes from where she was at cobra moon in lucha underground to where she is now as one of the best all pound for pound you know all around female wrestlers in the world i've never seen someone go from point a to point b and vastly improve in every single way thunder rosa winning the championship on this show is definitely in my top three moments all time as a wrestling fan. Real quick, I'll give you my top three. Uh, for sure, Jeff Hardy winning his first WWE championship. I've said this before. I grew up, started watching wrestling like 96, 97, like as the Monday Night Wars were like really getting on. You know, you had the Stone Colds and the Rocks and DX and, and NWO and they were all taken over. But also at the same time, on the lower card, you had Edge, Christian, Jeff, and Matt Hardy start making their ascent in the company. And those, those, I watched all four of those guys. I watched their career bloom as I grew up. And for a lot of the same reasons that Wardlow laid out in our interview that he was a big fan of Jeff Hardy, I instantly gravitated towards Jeff Hardy. And that was my guy. And following him and him always getting close, but no cigar. Like, I don't think I have ever gotten more excited, at least in my youth, than that ladder match against The Undertaker, where he hit the knockout shot and JR is screaming at the top of his lungs going, climb the ladder, kid, make yourself famous. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps now. That is still the best call of all time, in my opinion. Climb the ladder, kid, make yourself famous. That was peak JR Hall of Fame call. I was so pissed when he didn't win that match, right? When Jeff Hardy finally got there and he finally won it, even though, you know, a, a lot of trials and tribulations followed that and he really didn't have the belt all that long. I think he was like a three-time world champion in WWE. He had like the belt for like 60 days combined between like all three of them. Uh, he kind of had like those rock runs where they were all really, really short. Um, but in the moment, him finally winning the damn belt when I never thought it would happen, I marked the hell out. Like, I'll, I'll never forget that feeling of like, holy hell, he finally did. It was like the Cubs winning the World Series. Like you never thought it would happen and it finally happened. Same thing with John Moxley winning the WWE Championship. Instantly gravitated toward, toward him once I found out he was a Cincinnati guy. And Cincinnati sports my entire life has been in shambles. 
in absolute shambles. I have had very little until quite recently with the Cincinnati Bengals. Have I had anything to really hang my hat on my entire life? I basically heard, man, the big red machine was awesome back in the day. And then they went wire to wire in 1990. And me, I'm one year old when that 90 World Series championship freaking happened. And I'm like, cool. Wish I could freaking remember it. Had nothing, nothing. Didn't know what it was like to have a hometown hero at all outside of a minor league hockey club in town winning the Kelly cup. All right. Like that's all we had. So when John Moxley won the WWE championship at money in the bank, the same night that Roman and Seth Rollins all held the title at the same time. And it was, it was Dean Ambrose at the time walking out as the champion. And then all of a sudden now he was the guy on SmackDown. That was a moment I'll never forget. I jumped out of my chair I, I didn't think they were going to do it. That was another another instance of I never thought it was going to happen because he kept getting close. He was always the bridesmaid and never the bride. And I was so glad that I got to interview him once he got to AEW and ask him about that moment. And this was right before he won the AEW World Championship. And he said, look, I think the AEW, winning the AEW title will be a better moment for me, but I was so happy to give that moment to the fans. And he was speaking to me and in that moment. And that, that is one that I'll never forget as a Cincinnati guy, but still number one for me uh, will, will be Becky Lynch winning at WrestleMania 35 in the main event, the first ever all women's main event with Ronda Rousey and Charlotte flair, which is a match that is heavily scrutinized. And I don't know why, because it was not a bad match at all. It, it had a lot of things going against it. Uh, namely the fact that it happened at one o'clock in the freaking morning. And the crowd was dead after like a hour wrestling show. WWE actively tried to ruin the buildup. Actively. 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 Yes. Actively. Like won the Royal Rumble. Then they took her out of it, put Charlotte in it, and then she had to win it back. And then basically Ronda Rousey just gave it to her when she could have taken like the whole thing was so convoluted. And that was like when I really got into like the wrestling beat was Royal Rumble 2019. I started a show, a local radio show. My partner was a big Kofi Kingston fan. I was a big Becky Lynch fan. It was the perfect time for us to get into it. We had no idea what the hell we were talking about because we were just Mark fans at the time. But, you know, I put in the work since then. But, you know, yeah. I'm just saying. But it was a great time for us. And I'm just sitting here and going, I'm like, damn, they are really fumbling the freaking football. But it doesn't, it doesn't change the magnitude of the moment. And even the screw up at the finish doesn't change the 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 story and the rise of Becky Lynch, who was the ultimate underdog and my, and somebody that I gravitated towards. You mean you mean Ronda Rousey is still the Raw Women's Champion because she was never pinned. Let me get through this. All right, I don't need your shit. This, this, I don't need your shit right now. We don't need to have this this argument. But um, one one I would add to my list if I had to make it top four, top five. The Rock winning the WWF Championship at Backlash 2000. If you've never watched the match with Triple H, and me as a kid, I was like 12 years old watching all of this, and I was a massive Rock Mark, and all his title title wins before that was as a heel. They turned heel at Survivor Series 98. He beat Mankind a few times, you know, with the help of the corporation and Big Show. So I never got to get my baby face Rock championship win and the chase through you know going through the mcmahon helmsley uh corporation getting screwed by vince at wrestlemania 2000 which still is the most frustrating ending to wrestlemania i've ever been through 
in my life at 12 years old, but feeling that moment with Austin coming out, going through the McMahon Humsey of regime, Earl Hepner returning with Linda McMahon, and then The Rock hitting the people's elbow and winning the championship, I will never forget that. That and Shawn Michaels winning at WrestleMania 12 were like childhood. Those are the ones that I remember the most. Uh, I'll throw Mick Foley winning the WWE Championship and the other Night Raw. Stone Cold coming down and whacking the rock with the chair and putting him on top. And then, you know, you get the ref counting. And then just that crowd reaction alone was enough to just make, I mean, the last hit and my God, just the atmosphere. I would have, I would have given anything to have been in that building that night when it happened. And, and everyone watching or listening, let us know in the comments what your yes. all time moment as a wrestling fan championship is, win or whatever is. Hit it, hit us up on Twitter. And and I know there was a lot of people, by the way, this is something I was trying to get into. Uh, there are a lot of people who wonder why Becky Lynch is is so important to me. And this is a story that I hope to tell her one day because I'm like you, I have not had a chance to meet her. I have not talked with her outside of her uh, liking literally one of my tweets back in 2018. I have never had any interaction with a woman whatsoever. Um, but this is somebody who I can honestly say without her, I would not be in this chair right now. And I have talked uh, actively about, you know, my mental health problems. I have anxiety. I have uh, self-confidence issues. I agonize over every little thing. I had a slip up in the Wardlow interview. I was able to edit it out, but that ate at me for five straight days. And that is something that nobody outside of me, Wardlow and the PR guy that happened that was in on the interview call knows happened and i'm pretty sure both of them forgot it by now but it is it ate me alive for five straight days this is how i live my life all right and i and in 2018 i got in a rut professionally just a series of failure after failure after failure after failure and i'm not going to run through the whole story but there was a point where i was down i was out i was in a stuck position and i was just done like I was just done. I didn't want to try anymore. I was comfortable being in my meager little spot and it was never going to get any better than that. And she was somebody that taught me to push through that and help and inspired me to find confidence in myself again. And honestly, she was the person who inspired me to send one email that changed my entire damn life where I finally got a yes and I finally had an opportunity to do something else and that led to something else and then that led to something else and then before I know it I'm covering WrestleMania for a major outlet and now I'm here with SP3 doing this show interviewing people like Warlow interviewing WWE champions I've interviewed dozens of WWE superstars I've had the time of my life I've been able to to supplement my income and feed my family because Becky Lynch gave me the courage to send one damn email and um I hope I get to tell her that. Uh, anyway, number two, uh, the five count. SP3, how we feel about Chris Jericho uh, using the term a sports entertainer last night <laughs> to grab some heat and having Daniel Garcia, one of the internet darlings, one of the internet professional wrestling darlings, <laughs> drop the... Well, if you're a sports entertainer, then I'm a sports entertainer. I saw the Twitterverse lose their damn minds, and I went, damn, this is brilliant. 
it was it was genius by Chris Jericho because that is the best way to grab heat from an AEW crowd. Any it reference is. that you can make from WWE and something that you know doesn't have to have you know you saying WWE overtly, but you just saying sports entertainer and the whole catchphrase. We are the Jericho uh, Appreciation Society, and that's entertainment i can see that getting over chris jericho was great honestly in this segment i was very much entertained i was wanting to hate this because i've been hating a lot of what chris jericho's been doing but the last two weeks he's been on the money and i'm and i'm digging this whole presentation i mean i i'm still wondering i still have to go back and listen to what matt and uh jeff the other matt and jeff's new names are because they had to change their names since the hardies are here so the, oh, no, yeah. the no longer 2.0 with their over-the-top sports entertainer names i need to go back and listen to that but yeah i totally I, missed uh, what they said there i think i think jericho has something with this new group and using sports entertainer to get heat it it's great like it's kind of funny when you look at chris jericho this was a guy a few months ago we were talking about is he going to retire soon Right. Like he. I, I hate this. I don't want to say that he was a shell of himself because he was still, you know, do, putting on great performances, but he looked older. He looked a little tired. He was a little hefty in the middle and he just seemed like he was at the end of his run. And all of a sudden, the last few months, he has put in some work. He looks 10 years younger. He is in phenomenal shape. And I'm looking at this guy going, he could go another five freaking years. It's kind of remarkable the transformation that he has been able to do over the last few months. And man, every time Chris Jericho, like seriously, when I see Chris Jericho on television now, I want to get up and just do push-ups. Like that's like, he kind of like lights that fire in me. Like, cause I'm trying to get in better shape now. I'm trying to eat healthier. I gave up pop, which is one of the reasons why I'm so dog ass tired because I've got caffeine withdrawals right now. Uh, but like, I'm trying to make some healthier decisions. Finding time to exercise has been hard with two kids and three jobs and you know what that's like right so it's 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 difficult the dad bod is a real thing i see chris jericho now man and i'm like i gotta get down i gotta pump out a quick 30 here maybe i'll do some leg lifts or something i never do it because i'm usually tired while i'm watching you <laughs> but one of these days i will get the energy to do it i just gotta find that it's gotta find it somewhere deep down inside i'm 33 but i feel like i'm 55 chris jericho is 55 it probably feels like he's 33 right now but yeah i'm with you i love the the sports entertainment thing i love the internet community losing their damn minds when daniel garcia said that he was a sports entertainer it was as you would say chef's kiss last night another thing that i really really enjoyed uh i'm loving the moxley and brian danielson tag team william regal on commentary was a thing of beauty when he looked over at, at excalibur and he was like excuse me sir with the mask what pray tell is that demon thing over there talking about Danhausen or whatever the hell he said it just said it all no I, I loved him getting on commentary and saying you know jr i'm sorry i, I should have shouted you out too for helping me and you guy with the mask you never did anything for me which is a lie because william <laughs> regal recruited half of the black and gold roster by going to pwg shows which excalibur was the commentator for stop lying regal <laughs> Oh, but anyway, William Regal already a home run in AEW. And by the way, the 
to show you what kind of a stand-up gentleman he is, right? For him to go on Twitter and apologize for running long on his promo the other night and having stuff get cut, that's the kind of professional that William Regal is, and that is why any wrestling school with any kind of credibility is telling you to do things the way William Regal does them. But anyway, you have the tag team match last night. Mox, Danielson, they get the win. William Regal comes down to the ring to celebrate with his stepkids. And then Wheeler Yuta comes back in there, and he gets all up in, in William Regal's face. He wants to shake his hand. Regal slaps the shit out of him, and Wheeler gets right back up in him. And then he tells him to march along back to the back with his friends. So I think they're kind of teasing there what we heard Daniel Bryan talk about a few weeks ago, where it's not just him and Moxley where it could be this stable of young stars and they could help develop the next generation of professional wrestlers. So I'll ask you, number three here, should William Regal take Wheeler Yuta under his wing and align him with Brian Danielson and John Moxley? Yes. Um, I think that fans who just watch Wheeler Yuta in AEW don't know how good he really is. Go out of your way uh, to watch him versus Daniel Garcia. Uh, it's on IWTV. They had a 60-minute time limit draw last year that was fantastic and showed what these two, both of these guys have to offer. Daniel Garcia is being groomed right now with the Jericho Appreciation Society with one of the best of all time in Chris Jericho. Jericho, you need to get Willie Yuta away from the best friends. He doesn't even fit in with the like the goofiness and the you know the comedy characters. He doesn't really fit in there. This was a performance tonight that really showed something where you know Moxley takes out Chuck Taylor. You got Willie Yuta kicking out of the Regal Plex and not not trying to give up at the end. This showed a lot. He impressed and he got over with that crowd in San Antonio. They were chanting Yuta at you know during the end of the match and when he approached William Regal and I love the little scene where he walked away from the best friends to get in the ring and try to get that respect from Regal Moxley and Danielson so I think this will be something where he's basically gave his resume to them to yeah. you know, to be the, the trainee and now he's got to prove himself even further he kind of got their attention with his performance on Dynamite last night now he needs to really impress them so they can invite him in and i want to see this more i want to see it with a bunch of the with the other guy that they mentioned you know like i said daniel garcia is with jericho appreciation society next week give me moxley and danielson versus matt seidel and lee moriarty and do the yeah. same thing take out matt seidel let lee moriarty prove something to moxley and danielson i like what they're doing right now and you know even though Daniel Santa Moxley are this dream team, like like Excalibur said on commentary. They have a whole side story where they don't really have to get to the AEW tag team titles immediately. They can kind of do this and kind of recruit while they have these two, these tag team matches and kind of tally up the wins. I'm all for this, but I I, I kind of just want to to not be too much too soon because. I, I, I think the the dynamic of Regal and Moxley and Danielson is perfect as a trio. Like, I think it's 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 great. And I'm not opposed to this becoming like a super group or a major faction. And we know AEW loves their factions. I have no problem with that down the road. But I kind of want to have that period where I can just enjoy the three of these guys. Like, it's just now starting. I don't want it to be too much too soon. And you took the words right out of my mouth. I kind of want this to be yeah, let's let all the young guys kind of give their resumes 
give their resumes to William Regal every every week or every couple of weeks. And then a few months down the line, then they could start like pulling in. But like, I want this to be kind of like a long initiation process. William Regal handpicked John Moxley and Brian Danielson because of the personal history that he had with both of those guys. William Regal doesn't know any of these young guys. Let's just say on screen, he doesn't know any of these young guys. So he's not just going to let anybody in just because he's going to get up in their face and you're not going to back down because he slapped the crap out of you. I want this to slow play. Let's enjoy the trio as it is right now. And then in a few months, then we can do the Ninja Clan foot initiation type stuff. And, and we can incorporate two or three guys and, you know, kind of like, Kind of like house season four where he's trying to find a new team. Let's start with like 14 people and then whittle it down to like three who are going to be the uh, subordinates underneath, you know, Moxley and and Danielson and and William Regal and kind of create like a human pyramid scheme kind of thing going on there. Let's do that. But I don't I don't want next week for them to just say, oh, all right. Wheeler Yuta is now with with these guys. Let's slow play it. Uh, That being said. Between Mox and Danielson. You said they don't have to jump into the tag team titles picture. They certainly could. You have the Hardys now, not the Hardy boys. That's weird. I'm guessing WWE has that trademark, but you have the Hardys now. Red Dragon uh, is still there. You've got the Young Bucks. You have a very deep tag team division. I think the acclaimed long overdue to grab the tag team titles at a certain point. So let me go ahead and throw this out at you because Jungle Boy did get pinned last night. He was defeated by Adam Cole clean mind you in a very very entertaining opening trios match so sp3 this is something that i feel like i feel like we could ask every week because i think the answer would change every single week but and this is something that i talked about with trey while you were out last week if you had to place a sizable amount of money on a team to defeat jurassic express for the tag team championships who you place in that bet on it's tough it is really it is very, very tough, and it probably will change every week. Like <laughs> three, like three, two or three weeks ago, I was saying House of Black with uh, Malachi Black and, and Brody King. That would have been a great option. Like I said, Danielson and Moxley are the stream team. I always will have love for my New York brethren, Santana and Ortiz, but they're kind of busy right now. Like I said, Moxley and Danielson are busy right now. House of Black are still, you know, building up momentum. The team that I think is ready is the team that got the victory over Jurassic Express and Hangman Page, and that's Red Dragon. They haven't had a lot of opportunities to have tag team matches in AEW, but they're undefeated as a trio uh, with Adam Cole so far, and they now own a victory over Jurassic Express. And like I said, they didn't technically lose at AEW Revolution either. It was Matt Jackson who got the who got pinned in that three-way. So Red Dragon, I feel like they need it. They're kind of in the same position as FTR was when they first came into AEW. The, in the immediate way to kind of heat them up and give them momentum would be them winning the AEW World Tag Team title. So on March 16th, 2022... I would put sizable money on Red Dragon to be Jurassic Express for the titles. But Jurassic Express, I need people to put some respect on their name because oh, they are such an exciting tag team. Yes, that are. that double 
doomsday device. You said entertaining opener. I thought that was an incredible opener. They had the, the crowd rocking at that San Antonio crowd was loud as hell reacting to all the action. Some great sequences, some great back and forth. Hangman Page was on top form. Jungle Boy was amazing. Red Dragon. Man, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, though, the main reason I'm going with them is because on AE Ramble over on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel, me and Jimmy McRam talk about it every week. Red Dragon continue to be one of our favorite characters because they're hilarious. Yeah, they and once again, they were hilarious in this six man on Dynamite with Kyle O'Reilly saying, my turn, my turn, as they're... <laughs> As they're beating up Jungle Boy during this match, they just have these little side comments or like ad libs that are not planned that are just the funniest moments of every episode of Dynamite. So I need more Red Dragon. In my life. They they do all of the little things really, really well. Um, I'm not. I agree with you. I'm not one for like super massive setup spots, but that triple moonsault was fantastic, perfectly timed. Uh, and the fact that Luchasaurus was able to do that off of the ring apron uh, just shows you how great of an athlete that that big man is. Uh, it's it's insane. He's like Kane, but an actual athlete. Like, imagine Kane doing that kind of shit back in the day. Like, Kane did a, some high-flying stuff, but he wasn't he's, doing that. He's like Kane evolved. Yeah. He's like Kane evolved, pretty much. Hmm, evolution. Jurassic, he is a dinosaur. Anyway, but, um, yeah, I... I wish I could disagree with you. I'd love to throw out another option. But even though we have all of these really, really great tag teams, Red Dragon's the only one that kind of makes sense to me right now. Um, and I'll look at it from a simple babyface heel standpoint. You're not going to have the Hardys beat Jurassic Express. You're not going to have Danielson and Moxley beat Jurassic Express. Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks, is that going to be the team? They, they kind of seem to be doing their own thing right now. So, yeah, and they're the ones that lost at Revolution. I agree with you. I think Red Dragon makes all the sense in the world. They need it more than anybody. There's nobody else that really kind of makes sense. Even Santana and Ortiz don't make sense, even though they are long overdue at this point. I would say the acclaimed long overdue at this point, but they had their shot. I think they still they still have time where they they're going to be over they're going to be over for years based on just Max Caster's whole gimmick and the the rapping and everything but we should also shout out the little segment that they did with FTR and the Young Bucks teasing a rematch of one of the best tag team matches AEW has ever had as well as teasing Brett the Hitman Hart to replace Tully as FTR's manager that was like probably my 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 vote for worst segment of last week was how random fdr yes, fi firing right? tully was last week if you went but to the then, bathroom you missed it but then to have that tease of of matt jackson telling them oh you're gonna bring in the best there is you're gonna bring in the best manager possible for you guys i was like "Ooh, yes give me that yeah so a lot of good options I'm with you though. I'm putting I'm betting on red. I'm not betting black. I'm betting on red dragon uh, as the ones possibly even at double or nothing coming up here in a few weeks. And last but not least, to close out the show here, I thought one of the most intriguing things uh, that happened was another blink if you miss it kind of moment tonight. And matter of fact, I did. I saw people talking about it on Twitter and I'm like, what? Doot, 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 doot. Rewind. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So I'll ask you SP3 because I don't have an answer for this. What do you think is going on with Chris Statlander? 
I think they're kind of going full throttle with what they've kind of teased for a while. Um, ever since Chris Statlander returned last year and the arcade anarchy coming out of the uh, the, the little arcade machine and uh, beating up Penelope Ford, she has less and less you know, relied on the whole alien gimmick. It was something that she was very scrutinized for during her initial run in AEW, and she's gone farther and farther away from it. And I feel like this little vignette was a signal that she's going in a completely different character direction. She had lost that revolution. She's been showing signs of a heel turn a little bit with what she said to Layla Hirsch. So I think they're going full throttle with it and presenting her in a different way. Uh that wasn't a sign of a heel turn. Okay. That was a Las Vegas strip super sign. Uh, I mean, when you start talking, <laughs> well, what did she say? Something about no wonder you weren't adopted. Was that the line that, that she had dropped <laughs> night? Like Jesus Christ. Yeah. That sign is so damn big and bright. It would be on the Vegas strip. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I would think that's where they're leaning towards. And I'm with you. I think her whole gimmick, it was wrongly scrutinized. Again, it was the internet there. I mean, we're talking about the same company that has an over dinosaur and an over demon. Is it really that big of a stretch? It's like an alien is a step too far. All right. Okay, whatever. But yes, obviously, I think there is some changes here. And maybe it's, it's towards a character. Who knows? You make a change and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But then sometimes it can launch you into superstardom. Just like Becky Lynch, she went from the last kicker, which was like, okay, what is that? To, all right, now I'm going to knock the shit out of Charlotte Flair, and the man has arrived. And all of a sudden, boom, you're off and running. Same with Dr. Britt Baker. You know, who who, who was she really? And then all of a sudden she gets hurt. She turns into the role model. Boom. she ta- She's off and, well, rolling uh, from that point until she was able to come back. So we'll see. I'm interested. Who knows? Could be a good thing. Could be a bad thing. Could be nothing at all. We'll find out in the near future. We do appreciate everybody for listening to all 60 minutes of this half hour podcast. We doubled it up today. Any final comments, SP3, about your girl, Thunder Rosa? Um, you know what they say? There is a God, ladies and gentlemen, regardless of your religion. And her name is Thunder Rosa. So celebrate her today on Thunder Rosa Championship Celebration Thursday. And follow me at True Hill SP3. Follow True Hill Heat. We're at 12.05 p.m. Eastern Time, AE Ramble number 34, the Thunder Rosa Championship Celebration. I will be much louder than I am tonight on a Wednesday. (laughs) I was going to say, your voice is shot. You got sleeping kids. Uh, I'm at least in a basement that is my basement office is underneath my porch and it's encased in concrete. So like sound kind of dies in this room. So that's how I'm able to be so loud. So late at night, Um, that and my son, ever since he got back from the hospital, sleeps like a damn rock. It's like the only like silver lining of all the shit that we went through earlier this year. (laughs) He sleeps like a rock through the night now. Uh, So that's great. But uh, yeah, uh, follow me at Rick Uccino again, R-I-C-K-U-C-C-H-I-N-O. Check out my interview with Wardlow. Lots of good stuff there. Uh, Hoping to get that over a thousand views this week. Really appreciate everybody who has subscribed to the YouTube channel. Please like, share, subscribe, hammer that thumbs up button. You have no idea how much that helps us and and drives up our audience. Thank you so much, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Uh, Tomorrow, by the way, forgot to mention, we got a special edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast that is dropping with Levi Cooper, a.k.a. Tucky. We had a great little conversation uh, with him. So that's going to drop 7 a.m. tomorrow. And SP3 and myself will be back for our normal show 
Monday morning, 7 a.m. Have a wonderful Thursday. Enjoy SmackDown. Enjoy Rampage. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.